Our reading this morning from God's Word is from Jeremiah 1, verses 4 to 10. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Amen. I have a, a Dutch book uh, on my bookshelf uh, with the title Als God Je Roep. When God Calls You. You might think that this is a good book for a minister to have. I mean, God called ministers to His service. Well, it's a very sad misunderstanding with the result that many of us, all of us, called by God, miss the purpose of our lives. Because we think that God's call is reserved for specific people. We're all called. Each one of us has God's hand on, us, on his or her shoulder for a specific task in this world. So as you see the mobile phone, the front of the mobile phone, God is calling you. You can either press decline or accept. Henry Nouwen's book, Life of the Beloved, is all about this, that we are called or taken by God and blessed by God. When we were baptized, God put his hand on our shoulder. Or as Paul says, God arrested us to be in his service and appointed us for a specific task. The story of Jeremiah confirms that this is what God is doing every day and maybe here this morning as well. People like you, called by God. Maybe you think that God has given up on you. That God doesn't care about you because you've taken your life for yourself. You claimed it and said, I will live my life the way I want to. And that God has given up and, and, and said, I can't use you anymore. Let's look again then 
at this call narrative of Jeremiah and see what God is actually doing in the lives of ordinary people like us. The first thing from this story is that God has the absolute authority over our lives. Nobody else, not you either, nobody has authority over his own life or her own life. Listen what we read. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. All of us will accept the reality that we were created by God. Now, if God created you, why would he not be involved in your life? Why would he not have something for you to do in this world? Paul, after he persecuted the church, was stopped at the road on Damascus. And then when he reflects on that, he says more or less the same. God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. These expressions being called before we were born simply means that God has the authority over our lives. The absolute authority. You cannot live your life without God. It is God's absolute free choice that he created you, that he put you here on earth. It wasn't because you wanted to be here or because you chose to be here or because your parents decided to have children. It's because God made you and he has a task for your life. The second thing is that God calls us by grace, not because of our qualities. Jeremiah is not called because of his qualities. On the contrary, we see that he has objections to the calling that God has on his life. Oh, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Another translation says, Hold it, Master God. Look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. Or another translation, No, Lord, you know that I'm not a trained speaker because I'm still an immature young man. Almost every time in the Bible we read that when God puts his hand on someone and calls him to a specific task, People have objections. They say, oh no, I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too weak. I don't have the ability. And we have one after the other 
excuse, objection, why we should be disqualified for God's service in the world. In Judges, we read that the Lord turned to Gideon and said to him, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And then he, he replied, Pardon me, Lord, uh, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Objection. Objection. Classical one is in Exodus chapter 3. So now, go, I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh? Murderer. I cannot prop properly speak either. You see, God has a strange way that he calls the, the least obvious people in his service because he does it by grace. Billy Jonker wrote, the kingdom of God has a strange personnel policy. All over the world, powerful figures and personalities are sought for the job, except in America. And then, but God, for God's work, he does not seek the strongest personalities and greatest performers. He looks for those, for, 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 the, for the work to those who are weak in themselves, even the poor in spirit. You see, Henry Nouwen says we are taken and blessed by God, but we're also broken sometimes by God so that we can be in his service. Someone writes that Christians who think they have been very successful Christians can often be unbearable because they can be blind to their personal boasting and self-love. The realities of our life can be painful and we would like to change it, he says. Sometimes it is necessary, however, so that we can depend on God to live. And this is our greatest strength. Paul, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Jeremiah was too young. Gideon had an insignificant family. But our disabilities is not a disqualification, but a requirement to stand in God's service. Maybe you rem remember this incident many years ago. You will be too young to know this. But some years ago, it was believed that Russia had, had probably the best air defense system that you can get. 
And then one morning or afternoon, I can't remember how long ago, a young German pilot landed on the Red Square in the heart of Russia, on the Red Square, just next to St. Basil's Cathedral. What happened? What happened? A weak, small little aircraft came through a strong air defense system. Sometimes when we think we're so strong, the devil can come in and use our strength to mess up. But sometimes we are very weak, like this little pilot. And we can shame the strong because of God's grace. Thirdly, God equips us for a task. We are taken, blessed, we are sometimes broken. And it's wonderful to know that God uses broken people like us, that He's been involved in our lives from the very beginning. But we would misunderstand everything if we stop here. We have been called, we have been chosen, we've been blessed by God so that we can be given to the world, so that we can have a specific task in his service. Jeremiah says that he cannot speak. He's too young. He doesn't know anything. And the Lord said, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. You should become my mouthpiece in this world. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. I equip you. That God touched his mouth is God's personal involvement in his calling and the execution thereof. The image here is of a parent feeding a child with a spoon. Whatever our broken parts are in our lives, God comes and he becomes involved there and he says, I will equip you for your task. What we do and say in this world then reflects his will. It is not our word. It's not our task. It's his task. It is to say as Jesus taught us, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Your will be done, not my will. It's to be totally in the service of God. 
So what is this task? It's unacceptable to receive God's blessings, I said, his comfort, but not accepting the challenge that comes with it. When we understand that God has called each one of us, we will be poured out in his service. God called people so that his words can be present amongst the people. So that the values of Jesus Christ can flow through us into this world. Feldkamp, a Dutch theologian, wrote about Jeremiah and he said, Beware people, it is dangerous in the vicinity of this preacher. Why? Why was it dangerous where Jeremiah was? See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. It seems God's new society, God's vision for the world, is so different from ours. And sometimes it's needed that things should be taken out before something can be put in. We do not accept the existing order. We become stubborn and hard for the kingdom of God. There is a time, Ecclesiastes says, to break down, to tear down, to overthrow, to stand your ground for the sake of the kingdom of God. I don't know if it's the same here, but there's a saying in South Africa that, that some people are so stubborn that if they drown in a river, you would have to look upstream for them. We should be upstream for the kingdom of God, for the values of the kingdom of God. And sometimes it's necessary, therefore, to uproot and to break down because we cannot live according to the values of the kingdom uh, of this world. Sometimes it's necessary in our personal lives that we have to do that. We have to ask ourselves, what is there in our personal lives to be uprooted, to break down, to tear out? And sometimes we have to ask, what is there in our families? What is there in our marriages that should be taken out, uprooted, broken down? What is there in the behavior of my children? What is there in the conduct of my parents that should be taken out? broken down. 
Last night, Brian McGiven and I uh, went to the Ulster game, and Jeffrey and the girls were there, and Alison Morrison, she was there. Everybody communicated on, on social media where they are. And while Ulster was not playing that well, people started singing. You remember what they sing? Do you know what they sing? Stand up for the Ulster man. Stand up for the Ulster man. Do we stand up for Jesus? For the values of the kingdom? Do we uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow in the name of Jesus Christ? Or are we too scared to do that? Jeremiah was called to a task to do this, and we are called to that same task. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct and rebuke if it's necessary. During the Second World War, there was a very interesting art um, created, and I was looking to find this one, but I, the closest I could get was to this one with uh, the Nazi spider. Now, the, the one that I actually want to refer to is where a whole family was caught up in this spider web by the Nazi regime. And then there's a scissor cutting the web. And you know what that scissor, amongst others, was? The voice of Christians. Christians cutting the ties of the evil one to liberate people. And sometimes it's necessary to say hard things in order to liberate a pulpit announcement on the 21st of February 1941 in the Netherlands was this. It is the task of the church, of Christians, in spite of all its sin, to make its voice heard when the principles of the gospel are affected. When an attitude that is contrary to the gospel is imposed on us. We need to learn to accept the task that Lord, the Lord called us to speak up for Him, to stand up for Him. It doesn't mean that people will necessarily listen to us or that we will be popular. It won't be easy. It will sometimes come at a a huge personal cost. Sometimes it will even break us. Jeremiah felt it personally in his own life. He had a, a strong conviction that this is the word of the Lord. But it was almost impossible for him to, have, to be a prophet. 
We read that he was taken by Pasher, son of Immer, the official in charge of the temple, when he heard Jeremiah speaking. He had the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple, Jeremiah 20. And then he says these words, Jeremiah, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me, he says. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaim violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm wary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I have to speak up. I have to speak up for the Lord. Cursed be the day I was born, he says. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child born to you, a son. These are incredible words of a man in struggle because the Lord called him. But he had to be faithful to his calling. These incredible words are not surprising, you know. Apparently people believe what they want. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I want to read you something that Sadhu Sundar Singh wrote. While sitting on the bank of a river one day, I picked up a solid round stone from the water and broke it open. It was perfectly dry in spite of the fact that it had been immersed in water for centuries. The same is true of many people in the Western world, he says. For centuries they have been surrounded by Christianity. They live immersed in the waters of its benefits. And yet, it has not penetrated their hearts. They do not love it. The fault is not in Christianity, but in our hearts, which have been hardened by materialism and intellectualism. It is our task to address those things that are wrong in society, in our homes, in our families. But we also have a hopeful vision. 
His task was also to build and to plant. His task was also to let there be a new life of devotion to God so that the values of the kingdom of God would become a reality where he lived. We also need to give hope to people, to our husband or wife who has lost hope. We need to encourage those who need God's presence in their lives. We need to be builders on God's behalf. Preach the word, we read. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct and rebuke. Tear out, break down, but also encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Are you ready for this task? God has called you to be his mouthpiece in this world, to his representative in this world. Maybe you say, it's too late in my life. It's not too late. God can use you until the day you die. I want to share just this very touching thing that I've experienced in the last week or so with Richard Wilson. One of her elders with terminal cancer. Every time we pray with him, he prays with us. When he opens his eyes, he prays. You know what? His son said, what an amazing example my father is. I've learned so much from his faith in the last few weeks. It's never, ever too late. And if you're afraid of this task, listen how this passage ends. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. I will save you. And in the midst of the struggle of Jeremiah that we've read a little bit earlier, where he cursed the day that he was born, he said in verse 11 of chapter 20, but you, but you are with me, Lord. You are mighty and strong. You are mighty and strong. Those who are, who are opposed to me, they will not succeed. And when Jesus' disciples, after his resurrection, sat together in a small room in fear of the Romans and what's going to happen to them, Jesus stood amongst them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And surely, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. We are servants with the authority of the king. God goes with us and frees us from inferiority. We have been taken by God, blessed by God, broken so that we can be given to this world. Let's respond in prayer together. Father, thank you that you use people like me. In spite of all the frailties, in spite of all the things we have done, Thank you that you use broken people. Father, I ask that every person this morning will feel the touch of God on his or her life. That your Holy Spirit will encourage each one of us to be your mouthpiece wherever we are in whatever we do in our homes in our family life at our work amongst our friends in our society in Jesus name we pray Amen.